Welcome to Prepare, the Mercy Perinatal podcast dedicated to helping parents prepare for the journey of pregnancy, childbirth, and early parenthood. Mercy Perinatal would like to begin by acknowledging the Wurundjeri Woi Wurrung people, traditional custodians of the land on which we meet today, and also the traditional custodians of the lands on which you're listening from today. And we'd like to pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening today. Hello and welcome back to Prepare. It is Ali here with you today. Rangi's on leave, so we will be welcoming new co-hosts to Prepare over the next couple of months. And today we have with us Professor Sue Walker, and we are going to be covering the topic of COVID-19 in pregnancy. We are. Hi, Ali. Hello, Sue. Great to be with you again. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. And great to be talking about COVID-19. It feels like it's been a long time, doesn't it? A really long time. How, yeah. What are we getting up to? Three and a bit years, maybe. Yeah, yeah, nearly four years. Anyway. And we have seen on the news recently that we are entering the eighth COVID wave. Yeah, yep, we are. Yeah, we're certainly seeing an uptick in cases in hospitals. And I suspect that many of you have noticed in your workplaces there's a little bit more absenteeism as people are self-isolating when they've got COVID. So, yeah, it's going to be with us for a bit, but... Thank goodness we're not back where we were in 2020. Do you remember that? Absolutely. Now, Sue, you actually had a large, you were very involved in the COVID-19 response, just mentioning 2020, 2021. And are you able to step us through a little bit about what your actual role was in that COVID response for pregnant women? Yeah, I mean, it was a big change to everything very suddenly, wasn't it? You know, we were suddenly dealing with this pandemic that was really rapidly spreading. It was mutating quickly. We were starting to get more severe variants. And I think it's easy to forget that we were actually in a pre-vaccination era then Mm. and how different it was. And I think, you know, that very early footage that was coming out of Italy and then we saw in North America and England and so forth, I think we were all bracing ourselves for when it would hit our shores. And, you know, our government did a fantastic job, you know, in terms of closing our borders, doing very drastic measures very early on to try and contain it. But many of our listeners, some of you will be in Melbourne. Those of you who aren't will know that we were the most locked down city during the pandemic. And so I guess there were a lot of consequences that we had to adapt to very quickly because particularly during the Delta wave, which was sort of, I guess, around about that October 2020 from memory, we became very aware of the implications for pregnant women, that they were much more likely to get severe illness, they were more likely to end up in ICU, they were more likely to end up in ECMO, they were more likely to have preterm birth, stillbirth, caesarean section, things like that. And so we were very worried for our patients who got COVID-19. And I remember that you and I were on the phones, you know, managing people at home, working out how we could provide safe antenatal care, how we could look after women and their families in labour and postpartum. But it was a hugely disruptive time. And it was because we were really wanting to make sure that we looked after those mums and babies during that time while we were waiting for this well-awaited lifeboat of vaccination to arrive. Yes. And it has. And it's come, you know, I think it's easy to forget, you know, just how transformed our relationship with COVID-19 is now, where we sort of go, ho-hum, eighth wave, compared to how it felt back then. Absolutely. And, you know, I think all of us, particularly in Melbourne, but all over the world, you know, know that it wasn't just the illness that was the problem. It was also what were the knock-on effects of isolation and lockdown and 
homeschooling and, you know, antenatal care being transformed. There were so many things that changed so quickly. And I think for those of us in pregnancy care, you know, we formed very tight coalitions very quickly, you know, with other health services, with people in other countries to understand how do we give, you know, great pregnancy care? How do we monitor the babies? What do we know about outcomes? How do we manage women in ICU? How do we manage anaesthetics? How do we manage intrapartum care and labour and delivery? How do we get the COVID positive dad in to see his baby being born? All of those things, it just needed a lot of big thinking. And, you know, COVID was described as one of the VUCA problems. You know, it was volatile, it was uncertain, it was complex and it was ambiguous. You know, we were really dealing with incomplete information and having to make the best decisions we could with the information we had at the time. So, yeah, I'm really proud of our team and, you know, teams everywhere who worked so hard to look after pregnant women and their babies and support families during what was a very hard time in society. And also those people who really took up the mantle of supporting women through the process of vaccination. Because I know that was a bit scary for pregnant women at the time. You know, will I take a vaccination that actually has not been specifically tested on pregnant women. Yeah. So we'll probably come back to vaccination a bit later. But, yeah, it yeah. was a big time. And I think for health services, you know, people are still, I think, to some degree processing what happened mm-hmm. and also adding that into our what's our pandemic awareness, you know, how ready are we for the next pandemic? You know, unfortunately, it'll come. What have we learnt from this? How can we do things differently and better? But I think the most important thing we learnt was that you put the woman and her baby at the centre of everything you do, you know, Mm -hmm. whether you're looking after at home, whether she's coming in for labour and delivery, if she unexpectedly needs a caesarean section. I think that they were sort of the principles that we all tried to to live and work by, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Reflecting on that time of caring for pregnant women during that COVID wave, the thing that I probably found the most difficult is the information was rapidly changing. You didn't quite know we were doing the best that we could with the information, but a lot of it was just going back to basics of keeping mums and babies safe, but trying to manage it with limited resources, limited staff, things that we hadn't done before. Whereas I think that we're now in a different situation where we do have so much information, hence why it's great that we can provide this episode, that we do have a little bit more evidence now that we can say this is the best way to approach it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, things were changing so quickly and you sometimes did have to pivot, everybody's favourite phrase of (laughs) COVID-19. But, you know, people did have to pivot really quickly and say, look, we're suddenly changing visiting rules, masking rules, you know, as masks became more available. Like, remember at the beginning of the pandemic, there was no PPE to be had. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just the fear that that created for health professionals and those who were seeking our care. So, yeah, you're right. It was a real test in adaptive thinking. That's for sure. Absolutely. (laughs) There was positives, I think, that come out of it as well. Like, I think the relationships that we built with other um, people within our profession, as you were mentioning that with other hospitals or even just within our departments, we were all in a crap situation. <laughs> we were all in a situation where things were very different and there were it was anxiety provoking, we were unsure and you really had to lean on each other. It was a yeah. shared load. So I do think that there was positives Yeah, no, there that. definitely were. You know, some of the things that came out of that time, you know, perhaps particularly telehealth and things like that, yes. which we might touch on a bit later, but, you know, necessity was the mother of invention at that time. You Absolutely. Know? And I think there are some things that we would never want to have to go back to, but I think it's also helped us identify, well, actually, 
can we be a bit more responsive and a bit more modern in some of those areas where we'd always been a bit shackled to, no, this is how we provide care, you know, in a very traditionalist model. So, And, and it has made some issues glaringly obvious, such as you did touch on it with the exclusion of pregnant women from medication trials. Mm. I think that is something that has come out of COVID as well. Obviously, we knew that there was an issue before, but the inclusion of pregnant women in medication trials is something that, that really needs to be pushed along. Yeah. And COVID could potentially be the catalyst for that, that we had this solution potentially, but could we provide information that say, yes, this was 100% safe? Yeah, I think you're right. You know, I think it really highlighted the equity gap, you know, where women were not being treated with the same respect for their autonomy as other adult people in Mm -hmm. terms of participation in trials. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons around that. People are understandably very protective of pregnant women and where there's uncertainty. But I think it really encouraged us to think about, well, how do we share that decision-making with women? Because, of course, once the vaccines or the therapeutics for COVID-19 came out, the first thing people wanted to know is, well, what do you know about it? Fortunately, we know a lot now, you know, Mm -hmm. post-marketing surveillance and follow-up of cohorts post-vaccination and so forth. But yeah, I think you're right. It did really highlight, I think it was a bit of a surprise to some people to realise that, you know, women are often systematically excluded from trials involving medications and so forth. And it shouldn't be like that. We can't take things forward unless Mm -hmm. we're able to conduct those sort of high quality studies with really well-informed women. Yes. And I think the other issue with a lot of women around the hesitation of the vaccine is that we didn't know the full Mm. picture of information there. But when we are making decisions as clinicians as to if something is safe or not, we're actually weighing up the risks versus the benefits. So we knew that the risk of COVID, and especially particularly in that Delta wave, was quite severe for women in pregnancy. So we knew that that risk was great enough that we needed to have something that could hopefully prevent that. Now we're in a different situation. We know a lot more about the vaccine, but I guess it's nice for patients to know if you don't know all the information about something, how do you then go ahead and recommend that to somebody? But I guess it's the risk versus benefit. Yeah, always. Yes. So I think maybe let's just go back a little bit about COVID-19 in pregnancy, more so in this context. We mentioned that we were coming up to the eighth wave, which I think is going to peak in December. So just before we get together and have all of those Christmas parties and all of that, (laughs) perfect timing. But what kind of symptoms should women look out for and the severity of COVID in pregnancy? Yeah. So, you know, fortunately now we're dealing with Omicron and variants which have a much milder sort of disease course than particularly Delta and the original strains. Um, But also coinciding with that, we've got a very well vaccinated population and a whole lot of people have got what we call, I guess, hybrid immunity. That is, they've both had COVID and they've had the COVID vaccines. So the things that we sort of talked about, you know, during in terms of pregnant women and their risks of COVID early on in terms of, you know, ICU and ECMO and preterm birth and things like that. Now we're seeing a post-vaccination population. We're actually seeing that there's, in fact, a reduction in stillbirths among vaccinated women and reduction in preterm birth and so forth. It reduces your chance of infection. It reduces your chance of hospitalisation. So it's much more likely to be a milder illness. It may be that it's not very much more severe than a common cold for most people. It may even be less than that. 
But because we know that there are people in our community who are a little bit vulnerable, we'd still like to know if you are COVID positive. So I think if you have new respiratory symptoms, runny nose, sneezing, sore throat, cough, fever or whatever else, I reckon we've all got about 20 rats sitting in our medicine cupboard. Just do a rat test and check and see whether you are COVID-19 positive or not. And we would encourage women who find out that they're COVID-19 positive to let their team know, you know, whether it's your GP or whether it's your hospital or your midwife or your obstetrician, just let them know. I've just turned up COVID-19 positive because we would generally, if it was safe to do so, encourage you to self-isolate, maybe keep away from the health service just until you've run that isolation period. It's usually five days. But of course, if there are things that need to be monitored or you need to come in, then you absolutely do. And we just make provisions for how we can safely do that. But most people will be able to be managed as an outpatient. And so therefore, you know, attention to rest, attention to hydration, Panadol is perfectly safe in pregnancy, any of those things. And just the usual things about isolating in the home and being a bit cautious about who you might be in contact with. The usual things about ventilation, hand hygiene, use of masks, all of those things to reduce the chance of other people being exposed to the virus and becoming infected. But if you do notice that you're becoming more unwell, you know, increasing cough, shortness of breath, high fevers, feeling very unwell, or there are obstetric things, you're worried you might be going to labour or the baby's not moving well, then you ring your health service, say, hey, I'm day three COVID, but I reckon I need to come in. And you will. And every hospital now has got really good protocols for how they safely manage women who are COVID-19 positive, both in their emergency department, in their birth suite, in the operating theatre and up on the wards. Great. So, Sue, for those women who are not vaccinated, what are the risks of COVID-19 in pregnancy? Yeah, so notwithstanding that Omicron is a milder illness than the previous ones, we still do have concerns about women who are completely unprotected during pregnancy with vaccination because we know that for a variety of reasons, often respiratory illnesses are a little bit worse for pregnant women. You've got more demand on your lungs, you've got a big person pushing up on your diaphragm, makes your lung volume a little bit smaller and there are immune changes of pregnancy that help to support a growing pregnancy but can also make you a little bit more vulnerable to some infections, for example, things like chicken pox and so forth. We know that pregnant mums can do a bit worse. So for that reason, you know, ATAGI would recommend that all pregnant women should have a course of vaccinations, all right? And so the recommendation is the primary course. And we know that for women who've had primary course and a booster, which is the overwhelming majority of pregnant women now, we know that the risk of severe illness is dramatically, dramatically reduced. And I think that some of those knock-on effects that we saw, things like preterm birth and stillbirth and so forth, remember, they were largely confined to women who themselves became very unwell. Well, so as is often the case in pregnancy, look after the mum, the baby will kind of look after itself. So we're really doing it to protect the mum from severe illness, but we know that that also reduces the risk of pregnancy complications. And we also know that probably the antibodies that you get from vaccination also cross the placenta. So the baby's sort of born with its own little coat of armour. It's the reason that we do, for example, whooping cough or pertussis vaccinations during pregnancy. We're not giving it for mum, we're giving it so the baby's got its own little suit of armour against whooping cough in those critical first few months of life before it's had its own vaccination. And risk of vaccination during pregnancy. Yeah. So in terms of vaccination, if you've had, you know, if it's say you've had already had your three doses, ATAGI, so that's the Australian Technical Advisory Group on Immunisation. They don't routinely recommend boosters during pregnancy, but they say it's a risk benefit. All right. So 
for example, I work with a lot of high-risk women, maybe mums who are on immunosuppression because they've had a transplant or they've got other medical illnesses or other conditions where I think, look, actually, you could do with a booster. I'd really like to know that you've got the maximum protection. And if a vaccination is recommended to you during pregnancy, either because you haven't had primary course or because your clinician thinks, look, actually, it would be great for you to have a booster. It's been more than six months and you've got these other things going on. Then I think now you can be really reassured about the safety of the vaccinations. They've now been monitored for so long. We know there's not an increasing risk of miscarriage, no increased risk in congenital abnormalities. We know this is not what we call a live vaccine, all right? So rubella vaccine, for example, we say, I don't have that during pregnancy because it's what we call a live vaccine, but this is what we call an inactivated vaccine. There's no virus that replicates in your body when you have the COVID-19 vaccine. Now, of course, you can get the sort of side effects that anybody gets with a vaccination, which just shows you've got a healthy, responsive immune system. A little bit of a fever, a bit of a sore arm, but those sorts of things you can manage with Panadol and so forth. So, yeah, if you are recommended to have a vaccination during pregnancy, by all means, ask the questions that you need to. Get onto the Atagi website. They're the group that give us all the expert advice on timing of vaccines, when we should be giving boosters. And you can go on their website and it makes it super clear for you your kids, your family, healthcare providers, what we should be doing for vaccination. But your midwife or doctor will have sort of thought through carefully why they might be recommending it for you. And I think mostly you'll probably agree it's a good idea. Great. And we do also recommend influenza vaccination during pregnancy and they can be given at the same time. They can, yes. So don't feel like you've got to separate either your flu or your whooping cough vaccine or your anti-D. Um, I know it's not a heap of fun coming in and having a couple of jabs at the same visit, but there's absolutely no reason that you can't from a health or an immunological point of view, completely safe to have them at the same time. So if you recommended to have flu vaccine and COVID vaccine one day or with your anti-D or your whooping cough, that is totally fine. So we spoke about if you do have COVID during pregnancy, obviously let your healthcare provider know. They can rearrange appointments or organise telehealth, which because of COVID, we have done lots of studies around telehealth showing that it is quite safe to have telehealth as some of your appointments. The other question that a lot of women will be concerned about is having COVID during labour. Yeah. Yeah. Which can be really worrying. What kind of of information can you give around that? Yeah, of course. So it's very understandable that people who get COVID-19 in late pregnancy and sort of think, what if I bounce into labour? How's that going to work out? Just be reassured that all of the health services are really familiar with this pathway. So if you had COVID-19 in late pregnancy and you were fine and your baby was fine, there would be no reason to induce or to bring the baby on early. We would just await that isolation period to pass then get you back in for your routine antenatal appointments and there's no problem having a baby shortly after COVID. If you are during that isolation period and you needed to come in, that's also totally fine. It just means that we'll all look a bit weird in our PPE again, but we've got particularly dedicated pathways to make sure that you and your partner will be there for the birth, be able to be there to support you and how we, if you needed to go to theatre or if you needed to go to the fifth floor, these are all now pretty well-worn paths in your health services. So just be reassured that as always, we want to keep you and your baby and your partner at the centre of everything we do and we're going to make sure that we provide really good care and we're going to take great care of you in your health service but just give them a shout out because they might say do you mind nipping in through the back entrance and there'll be someone who'll meet you and we'll take you straight to a room and we might get you to stay in that room rather than wander around and grab a coffee and whatever yes 
Yep. But the main thing being that let your hospital or healthcare provider know because each hospital tends to have different guidelines. Exactly. And I can't even really be super prescriptive about do I need to have a COVID-19 test before I come in for a Caesar or whatever else because that varies a little bit from hospital to hospital. It varies and day to day. Yeah, that's right. It does. <laughs> so sometimes does. even in my own hospital I've had to call somebody else and say, hey, actually, yeah. what are we doing at the moment? <laughs> I know, exactly. And especially just with a wave on us at the moment, some of you will have heard that, you know, the media is, hospitals are changing masking protocols. So it's the same for all of these things where they're just trying to work out, okay, how do we minimise sort of the inconvenience and loss of freedoms to a few people and how do we maximise keeping our mums and babies and those looking after them nice and safe? Yes. On the postnatal ward, another question that often we get is regarding breastfeeding. Yeah. Obviously, a huge concern is that COVID-19 being infectious, yep. that what are the risks that if I've just had COVID or if I have COVID now around breastfeeding? Yeah. So we would absolutely encourage mums who've had COVID-19 to breastfeed their babies just as they normally would. You'd be rooming in with your baby. As I say, this is in a post-vaccination era. So it's very different to that separation and so forth that we used to talk about back in the old days. Don't feel like that anymore. And yeah, we'd absolutely support you with breastfeeding. And in fact, breastfeeding can actually provide some protection to neonates Yeah, with the antibody crossing in the breast milk. Correct. Exactly. So that was so great. Thank you so much, Sue. It's a pleasure. The main things that we covered are that in this post-vaccination era, COVID-19 in pregnancy tends to be quite mild, similar to a mild cold or something like that. Vaccination is safe during pregnancy and is recommended if you haven't had that primary course of vaccination prior to falling pregnant or you have something else going on that your care provider recommends vaccination during pregnancy. It can be done at the same time as a flu vaccination, which is also recommended in pregnancy. Yeah, but just if you need to come in either for assessment or because you might be in labour or you're worried about movements. Don't hesitate. Yeah, don't hesitate to come in or if you're worried about respiratory symptoms. Yep. If you do need to come in because there's something that you're worried about, such as respiratory symptoms due to COVID-19 or things with your baby, such as your baby's not moving or you have any concerns, you will still be able to come into hospital. Again, just let your healthcare provider know and they will arrange for that to happen. Yeah, please come in. Please come in. Don't hesitate to come in. Exactly. Breastfeeding is safe and recommended if you have had COVID in pregnancy or you currently have COVID soon after birth. And you can stay up to date on safety of vaccinations through websites such as Atagi. Exactly. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and tune in next time. See you then. Everyone's pregnancy is unique. The information provided in this podcast is for educational and general purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. It is important that you always seek the guidance of your doctor or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding your health, your pregnancy or any medical conditions.